we're just naturally goal oriented and we're winners. Mm -hmm. We're competitive. Right. And so if you say, Rob, I want you to make 70 calls a day and book three meetings. I, you know what I heard? I want you to make 85 calls a day and book four meetings. Right. Like whatever you tell me is the expectation. I'm going to exceed it just naturally because I want to win. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. We've got a repeat on our hands here. Welcome back to the show, Robert Frederick. He's a business development rep and a special operations veteran. He's an expert in leadership, management, sales, and he's a cold call ninja. Welcome back to the show, brother. (laughs) Thanks, Doug. Hey, man, you put it on the expertise, so I had to say it. I love that term for sure. So I'm getting there, man. Absolutely. So first off, I want to congratulate you because, you know, you're you're here for the second time on this show and, you know, the prestige and the uh the i guess level of show that this is or i like to think so right um Mm -hmm. you are the number two most downloaded episodes only (laughs) only preceded by patrick bolanos which has eight more downloads than you so basically once we get off here you just need to go tell your friends hey download uh my first episode on the building great sales teams podcast and i'm sure you'll be over that you, you, you get that first spot in no time. <laughs> Man, that's good to hear. Yeah, I think it was just because of our Take the Call initiative and just the content and the show and uh, a lot of my listeners wanting to support veterans transitioning. And so I think uh, I think that has created a lot of buzz. And we did a lot of promos as well as, uh, you know, it was uh, part of the top <laughs> episode for that month. It was part of the top episodes for the year. You know, it was one of Ryan's favorite episodes, so he kept including it in the recaps and stuff. So people were, <laughs> were re-downloading it. All hey, right. The book and the pen, man. Like, people really yeah. like that. They, they that was a that, really you know. that was a really good story. I hope you got another one for us today. We'll see. But tell me what's cooking on the cold calling side. You know, did you cold call in the military? And, and what does that look like now? I mean, a little different context. I've cold called people around the world at embassies or, you know, other commands for certain things. And then, you know, you just get someone on the phone and have to navigate your way to the right person uh, that you need to talk to. And it's very similar in this kind of job. You know, the person I call may not be the right person, but just have a nice conversation with them, be nice to them. And maybe they'll move you along to the decision maker or somebody else, or they, they might be the right person. You might be able to get them interested. Uh, so not, not specifically cold calling in the military, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely a different venture. So who are you, who are you cold calling now? Like, who's your, you know, what, what's the business that you do now? Um, tell me a little bit about it and uh, you know, what's a good referral partner for you? Yeah, so after things didn't work out with Harry, I reached out to the Honor Foundation Network and had talked to a guy I really hit it off with who works at Decisions, which is an automation company, software automation company, and they were hiring business development reps. It's an entry-level job, not too sexy, you know, just a lot of cold calling and Mm -hmm. emailing, but it's what I needed. It was fully remote, and that that was important to me, and so I, I just jumped on it, and, you know, I think one of the things about veterans is we've done so many different things in our, in our career, the longer they've been in, the more different things they've done. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I didn't know how to fly drones or shoot a machine gun or drive a boat, but the Navy taught me, right. I didn't know how to cold call people on the phone and talk about automation software, but you know, the company taught me how to do it and, and off I went. So. I think that's, uh, I guess, uh, under, underspoken about subject, you know, because so many people think yeah. that, you know, in order to get into sales, you've got to have this charisma or you've got to have this experience or whatever the case is. I mean, everybody's got to start somewhere. And then that's the thing about sales, too, is every position you go into, you're basically learning from the ground up a brand new product, you know. So mm-hmm. in in your case, what was that like for you, you know, learning 
is it is it decisions is the software correct okay learning that from the from the ground up did you have to like work in the software was it was it part of your workflow uh what did their training and onboarding for that look like and so you could learn the product enough to be able to actually sell it well initially there was a product training but it's pretty involved man it's for like people that's you know have that tech um Mm -hmm. aptitude speak a lot of that stuff my job i don't sell the product i just sell the time you know i call the people Mm -hmm. see if they're interested it's a business to business type thing because we, you know, we have programs that show us that these companies are interested in us or the things we have. So it's kind of like a lukewarm call, right? I'm calling like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you guys are looking for us. We're here to help. Um, The product training is important. I think a lot of, I picked up on most of the product training just by listening. You know, I heard somebody talk about uh, listen your way to the top. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's very similar to what I did in my embassy role. I didn't know anything about what I was doing. So I just sat in a lot of meetings and I listened and took notes. And and eventually you start to hear the same threads, the same things come across and and you start to connect the dots over time. And so what I did is I just listened. And that was part of our training was to just listen to calls, just listen to Mm -hmm. good calls, bad calls, mediocre calls. I picked up a lot just by doing that, sitting on the product demonstrations, sitting on the discovery calls, listening to the, you know, the, the prospect and the account executive go back and forth their dialogue. And so I picked up analogies and tricks and things to, mm-hmm. to say, now I've been doing it for, you know, seven months or so. So I, I think I hit my stride and I'm pretty comfortable with it and ready to just crush it this next year. What are you doing to, I mean, cold calling is no joke in any industry or any product, right? It's, it's every day. Yeah. Basically you have these certain marks that you want to hit. Right. And then what are you doing to stay motivated every day? You know, you know, or what do you do to like break up the monotony, I guess? Cause you know, you probably make, I'm just assuming here like 10 or so calls before you actually have a conversation with someone. And so mm-hmm. every day, you know, you may be making anywhere from 80 to 90 calls, maybe a hundred calls. What are you, what's your best practices for staying motivated, kind of breaking it up and just kind of keeping a, a, a good head about yourself? Cause it is, it's, it's a, it's a tough, tough position in the sales game. Yeah. It's not a sexy job at all, but you know, that's another good thing about being a veteran is, you know, I have other things that motivate me to make those calls. Right. I, I could see if I was in my younger twenties, fresh out of college, trying to, you know, make my name in the world, make more money. It may not be as, um, you know, I might be focused on a lot of other things, but Mm -hmm. for me, my number one priority was I wanted to work remotely and I didn't care what I did. Right. And so I I just remind myself of that. Like, you know, some days are better than others. Some some days you make a hundred calls. You don't talk to a single person. Some days you're on fire, but when I get down, it's just like, Hey, you know, this is a good job, good company, good people, good benefits and you get to do it from home. So I kind of just focus on those things and kind of brings you back to center. And another thing I do is I always leave voicemails. I feel like it's a safe place to practice. I tell the new Mm -hmm. people that I'm like, practice on the voicemail. Odds are they're not going to listen to it. It's a good place to, to screw up. And so, like you said, you may call 10, 15, 20 people before you actually talk to somebody. But if you're leaving Mm -hmm. voicemails each time, you're just verbally warming up so that when the person does answer the phone, you're less likely to get caught, you know, with your foot in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. 100%. That's why I'm such a yeah. big proponent of role play, you know, cause you get to yeah. warm up for the day. Singers warm up their voice. Why would salespeople not? Right. Uh, but right. that is a, definitely another strategy. You might, you might get 10 voicemails before you actually talk to someone and now you're warm. Now you're ready to roll. Yeah. By the time that they answer that call. It's almost as if you'd hope they don't answer the first one just so you can warm up. <laughs> right. No, because <laughs> I've had, enough. there's been a couple of days where people have answered like the first, you know, one to five calls. And I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, Doug? <laughs> <laughs> Caught me off surprise. You're the first person yeah. I talked to today. <laughs> yeah. No, that normally, and I, what's funny is I'll just roll right into a joke. I'm like, sorry, you, that normally doesn't happen, you know? And then it's funny, right? Like try to yeah. um, build that initial rapport with them right out of the gate, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, from your point of view, you know, coming from the military, being a veteran, you know, having, having gone through, I guess that first challenge right out of the military where it didn't work out with the, the previous employer, like how is this company keeping your interest, keeping you engaged and I guess keeping, keeping your focus? Well, 
one thing I like about this particular job, it's funny, you know, the cold calling and the no code is I, I like the challenge of calling people and seeing if I can win them over, mm-hmm. you know, and I know their company's looking for this stuff. I just got to get convinced them that, you know, it's a value to them. And, and I, I think it's fun, right? I like, I love to, you know, get that meeting booked or that demo booked and hang up. It's like a little rush, man. <laughs> it's like a little drug. Absolutely. It makes you want to get another one. You're right. You know, and they have a good commission structure. You work remotely. They've got a lot of good, you know, uh, benefits, pay time off and other stuff. So they, they really do a good job of taking care of their people. And I work with a bunch of awesome people too. So that mm-hmm. really helps. Everybody's kind of cheering for each other to win. And it's, it's not like a cutthroat sales floor that I've heard. I've heard about where everybody's kind of fighting each other. It's, it's, it's all, everybody's on the same team. And, you know, that makes it fun to, you know, law, I don't say come to work cause I don't go to work. I just log into work, but yeah, same. <laughs> Yeah, makes it fun to log into work. So, does do they do any like uh, you know? Obviously, you're doing Zoom calls, sales training, stuff like that. Do y'all do any of those, uh, you know, like in person meetups? Are y'all able to like do quarterlies or anything? You know, we do routine um, role plays. You know, the manager will roll out like a new call script, or just things he wants us. He doesn't like whip us with it. Like this is a script. Mm-hmm. You will do what you say. It's more of like these are a, an agenda of talking points, and you kind of pick and choose from them you know ai is a big thing right now and yeah. so we'll want to incorporate that into our conversation hey are you guys thinking about ai how to implement it keep up with your competitors so he'll kind of give us the call scripts more like a guideline you know try to incorporate okay. these things entice them and um we do call blitzes so that's like you ever heard of that yeah absolutely glenn gary glenn yeah. ross you know like sits yeah they call yeah, them sits we'll back those. in the day yeah we'll do those during like high peak hours you know everybody will dial in and just start making their calls and so that gives you the ability to like live listen to other people or just sit there and make your own calls and other people can listen to you the managers can poke in and listen and see if you need work you know how your stuff's going they can send you live notes they'll be like hey mention ai or mention this like while it's happening Mm -hmm. so those are cool that's cool so like can you see everybody on video making their calls so it creates a little energy there, or is it more like through the calling system? Yeah, them. we're all it's it's kind of like Hollywood Squares, dude. If you remember that, right? We're yeah, all, yeah. We're all we're all kind of like Hollywood Squares, and like I, you can, I'm over here doing my thing, but I can click on Doug's window and listen to what Doug's uh-huh. saying, and That's then if, if, yeah, if Doug's in a conversation, I could be like, hey, Doug, don't forget to mention that. You know, I can throw you uh-huh. some gems if I see you're struggling for words or something. Um you know, people will help out and they'll like drop you a link or something and a vignette to share an analogy or something. Mm-hmm. Cause you know how it is, man, you can get tongue twisted real easy. Right. Oh yeah. Especially yeah. in, in this environment, you know, we're talking about like coding tech, very tech type stuff that mm-hmm. that, that surpasses my ability. Right. Like, yeah, but I'm good with talking to people on the phone and I can always revert back to, Hey Doug, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> the guy for that. Right. I, but yeah. that's why I called. I called because I want to set you up with the guy who can have that conversation with you. But you right. have to know, I call it, one of the AEs asked me, I call it three questions deep. And I, I got that from the military. But one of the guys had asked me, where did you come up with that? And I was like, well, when you're briefing an admiral, a general, an ambassador or somebody, and, and they ask you a question and you don't have the answer, you just lost credibility, right? And yeah. so- they ask you another question, another question. You say, don't, you don't know, like you're done. And these people, their time, like you're lucky to be in front of them for five minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. So if, if you can't get through that first question, second question, you lose that credibility. You're, you're done. Right. Like they're moving on. And so listening to the demos, the call recordings, all that has allowed me to go three questions deep. It essentially nice. lets me pull my seat up to the big boy table and have us and sit down with them. Right. So they ask me a couple, they ask me a question. I have an answer. Another one, another one, another one. They're like, all right, this guy knows what he's talking about. And then when it starts to get too technical, that's when I can start off ramping and say, Hey, let me, let me get you on the line with Doug. He's our guy, but mm-hmm. you got to have enough. You got to have enough knowledge to, to get through those initial questions or you're just going to lose credibility and the person's going to hang up on you, you know? I like it. Three questions deep. Three so, questions deep. It's all yours, Doug. You can coin it and keep it. 
like everything else you've given me right yeah. it's all yours man I, you know it's like book and pen i got a hundred of those stories you know what i mean like whatever Hell yeah somebody can steal it and make a bunch of money off of it i'll just write another one you know? so for our listeners that are interested in doing something like that with their sales team which is you know creating uh, a blitz virtually um what is the the software that you guys are using for that is it just zoom or are you guys using it's a called, specialized software no it's called call blitz oh sweet very cool. I so think, we'll have- you know, from the user end as a sales rep, I personally, I think it's a better management and training, mentoring, coaching tool mm-hmm. than it is for like, for me, I just dial into the program and make calls. Yeah. But like, if you were my manager and you're like, man, Rob's really been struggling lately, you could sit there and listen to me and be like, Hey man, you're not doing a good job on the front end or the back end. You're losing the, you know, you're not confirming their email, like whatever. Right. Like you can give mm-hmm. me a little finesse things to help me out. It's not really like like SDRs or BDRs don't use it in their daily life, but it is a way to get better, right? Right. And if if you're struggling to get meetings or whatever, you know, you can go on the call blitz and you can just listen to other people. Be like, man, Troy's killing it this week. Let me hear what he's got going on, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good program. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So, you know, when we talked before, you were still technically in the military. So mm-hmm. what has that transition been like for you going from, you know, military life to civilian life now? And, um, you know, what skills were you able to transfer over? Do you feel like you use every day? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that, Doug, because th- that is, man, when you're sitting on the inside, you're like, what do I, you know, I drive boats and shoot machine guns. Like what, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what do I have to offer like the civilian world and and you're just so scared because you're like i don't know what to do right but it's your disciplines doug like that is what makes you who you are that's what makes veterans such good people to hire and you know soft veterans as well it's because of our disciplines right like we have and it's funny because in the military you're you don't have a cash incentive there's no commission bonus right your incentive to work hard and do good and be organized and efficient is time you get liberty Mm -hmm. you get to leave early right like i'm not going to make any more money if i do this job extraordinary but i might get to leave at one o'clock right and so every person in the military past present and future comes to work with one question in their mind what do i have to do today so that i can go home that's it that's all people mm-hmm. in military care. Like what? Do, the moment they walk in the door, they just want to know what is it that you need me to do so that I can go home. And then once they get that series of tasks or whatever it is, they're going to put it, they're going to do it in the most efficient, effective way possible so that when they're done, they can leave. Right. And yep. so 22 years of that kind of mindset, then I come out in the civilian world and they're like, this is what we expect a BDR to do each day. Right. Like these are, Mm -hmm. these are the, here's all the tools of how to do it. Here's a training program to let you learn the job. And then it's the disciplines, right? Like once I figured it all out, I saw it happen, start to finish. I learned all the little pieces and you know, how to get from here to here. Then I put it together in a very disciplined, you know, fashion so that I never forget to do anything, you know? And I, my manager had asked me, he's like, he was like, can you just walk me through like what you do each morning? And so I showed him, I'm like, you know, I start, I check my email. I look for these things. Then I do this, 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 I set an alarm. I send invites to myself on Slack and I walk, he's like, wow, like, where did you come up with all of this? You know, Mm -hmm. I was just like, no, that's just how like I conceptualize it in my head. Right. Like these are the things that I'm supposed to do each day. Uh, This is how to do them. And this is my process of getting through it. And so I think it's your disciplines. It's your dependability, really. Mm-hmm. Like it, a veteran can learn anything because they'll do two, two things. They're going to show up and they're going to try. Right. And I feel like you could go anywhere in the world, any job on the planet. If you'll just show up and try and be coachable, mm-hmm. you can learn anything. Right. Doug, you could teach me how to sell solar panels probably by the end of the week, you know? And I, so for the veterans out there that are nervous, just like I was about a year ago this time, just know that you're going to show up, you're going to try, you're going to be dependable and whatever it is, you're going to crush it. I promise you, you know, and it's going to be noticed, right? One of the guys told me, he's like, dude, how did, 
one of the account executives who's a really top performer when he was a BDR was like, dude, it took me a month to book my first meeting. You, you book 17 meetings in your first month. Like that's insane. How did you do that? It's massive. And I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I just, I did what you guys told me to do. Right. Mm-hmm. You guys showed me the process. You gave me the expectations. I learned the tools and then I figured it out of my own flavor and I just went to work and started doing it. And then before you know it, they're like, you know, dang, dude, you're like doing really, really good. How did, and then, and then they start to ask questions like, you know, how are you doing this good, you know, compared to other people or previous people? And you're like, and then to me, you're like, I don't know. Am I in trouble? Like, isn't this what you guys want me to do? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, it is what we want you to do. But like, how are you doing it so well? And you're like, I I don't know. I mean, here, let me show you. Right. And I'm like, yeah, walk them through how I'm doing it. What I say on the phone, why? And, Mm -hmm. um, and they're just blown away, man. So I think, I think so many companies that have sales teams, you know, because they don't hold them to the expectations that they set in the first place. Right. And so the question is, why did they set the expectation in the first place? They said it because somebody came in and was incredibly successful by executing that expectation. Mm-hmm. Right. So they said it there. They said, Hey, this is the expectation. Then somebody comes in and most, you know, most of the workforce, you know, doesn't even do the minimum, you know, mm-hmm. they get away with doing less than the minimum because, you know, their, their leadership team is hearing all these excuses and everything. Right. And they're basically making exceptions for the expectation, you know, and, and, and then the leadership team does it to the, to, to their bosses and so on and so forth. Right. And it, it becomes, you know, a, an amazing thing when somebody, like you said, from the military that has the discipline that was given a set of instructions in the military and executed them with precision you know, and mm-hmm. now they're just doing the same thing they did in the military in the civilian world. Well, it's far above and beyond, even though it's they're just executing the expectation. You know, <laughs> you right. took what they you took what they told you to do and then you executed it with military precision, you know. Exactly. And and, and that resulted in a 17x of you know the minimum expectation to get that first, you know, set in the in the month, whatever the case was. And so I think. I think that that highlights two things. One, that's what you're going to get from from veterans, you know, that you bring into your workforce. But two, how little are we holding expectations in things like our sales programs of the new people coming in because we're so used to people coming in and underperforming and and not having any discipline and not following the, the system that's set out in front of them and therefore not resulting in at least a minimum expectation of what you said in the first place, because of the top performers, you know? And so, and, and it's what we, we all know to be true. The top performers are, are not the most talented. They're not, you know, the guys with the leg up or the amazing networks or, you know, um, some excuse you want to make to yourself why you're not top performing. The top performers have the discipline to execute the things that people don't want to execute day in and day out, you know, and that's what you're doing at the company that you're at now. Just fantastic, man. I'm incredibly happy for you, brother. Yeah, thank you, Doug. You know, one of the things it's like when we go to our land warfare training, you know, they, they teach you from the very beginning, you always load your secondary first, right? You load your pistol mm-hmm. first because if you have to pull for that thing, you're probably in trouble and you want to make sure it's lock loaded, round in the chamber, ready to fire, right? It's a good if mm-hmm. if I went from a machine gun to a rifle to a pistol, I'm in trouble, right? And I need to make mm-hmm. sure that pistol yeah. is ready to rock, right? Like there's yeah. no time to chamber check do any of that and so i essentially took that same logic and i i view my laptop is like my rifle or my machine gun like my primary weapon system and my iphone is like my secondary it's like my backup right so one of the things they were kind of blown away about is like in the morning i'll check my email check my calendar and anything that's coming up on my calendar i set an alarm on my phone and i slack myself the invite right to in slack so i can just tap on the link and go right into whatever the meeting is. Okay. And they're like, why, why do you do that? And I'm like, because my phone is like my secondary, <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. my pistol. And I want to know that if I'm out walking the dog or the maintenance guy comes to, you know, mess with the dishwasher or whatever happens, my alarm goes off. It's my 15 minute warning that there's a meeting coming up. Right. And yeah. worst case I can, if I'm like too far from my computer, 
worst case, I can just go to my secondary and tap the link on my phone, right? Ideally, I want to get back to my primary weapon, which is my computer and be yeah. set down and everything. But so what it does is it, it just, I just cast a safety net for myself every morning so that I'm a good employee, right? Like mm-hmm. I load up my secondary weapon system, stick it in my pocket. And no matter where I'm at, what I'm doing, if I happen to get caught and I forgot about something, I can just do it right from my phone. And so it's like, I think veterans would just take training like that and just apply it to a different setting, right? Like I'm not in land warfare right now, but this is like my primary weapon. That's like my secondary way. And you treat it like that. And you, you do these disciplines and rituals each day that you've always done. And, you know, I think you're going to show that to a veteran and he's just going to crush it and not even know that he's crushing it. He's just going to do what you told him in his way. And then he's going to look back in a month or two and realize that he's probably outperformed everybody around him. And he wasn't even trying. Right. Yeah. Just doing what he was told. Right. Mm -hmm. Just executing. You're always on time. It's like, yeah, aren't we supposed to be? It's like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) yes, you are. Right. But it's like, but other people are not always on time. Right. But so you're like, all right, well, what I'm always here and, yeah, I just think those are good qualities, and you don't have to be a special forces operator, a Navy SEAL, a Marine recon. You don't have to be yeah. like this crazy stuff in the military to have these qualities. Just be on time, look presentable, have a book and a pen, and try. That's really all you got to do, man. One hundred percent. And and one of the things you said earlier is be coachable. You know, and I think be coachable. I think uh, because y'all had to develop these disciplines with the understanding that like hey if i don't develop these disciplines it could cost me my life it creates this depth of conviction and motivation you know that now as a veteran you can tap into at any time and honestly you're probably not even tapping into it it's just your operating it's it's your minimum operating system you're doing everything like if you don't do it it could cost you your life you know and right. most, most people would view that as stressful or a lot of pressure or whatever the case is, but this is how you guys were trained, you know? And, and, and again, this is why I think hiring veterans is such a cheat code, you know, oh, especially, is, especially right out of the, right out of the military. Cause they are, they're operating at that level, you know, where if they don't, you know, if they make an excuse or if they're late, it could cost, uh, them their life or worse their friend's life you know yeah you know i think another thing is is we're just naturally goal oriented and we're winners Mm -hmm. we're competitive right and so if you say rob i want you to make 70 calls a day and book three meetings i you know what i heard i want you to make 85 calls a day and book four meetings right like whatever you tell me is the expectation i'm going to exceed it just naturally because i want to win And so, I, you know, you get a veteran, he's probably goal-oriented, organized, disciplined, and he just wants to win at whatever it is, just wants to to do good, right? And what I'm seeing out in the civilian world, not not in my job, I mean, the people I Mm -hmm. work with are all awesome, but talking to other people from the Honor Foundation and hearing, you know, my buddies who are all getting out, that's not common. It's not common in today's world to have people show up, try, want to win. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. a struggle out there to find good, talented, motivated employees. You know? Yeah, you're telling me I, you know, I consult full time probably for four companies now. And that's a daily conversation is how to get better people, how to get better people, how to get better people. <laughs> Hire and some veterans, bro. A hundred percent. That's it. That's it. That's how you get better people. One hundred percent. Um, and then it is, it, it's about marketing it too. You know, like we hire veterans just say it in the ad, you know, I yeah. think that's a, a, that's a huge deal. And anytime you support the military in any fashion, veterans are always going to flock to you. So when you look at yeah. your nonprofit initiatives and stuff like that, make them about veterans transitioning or make them about um, a, a military nonprofit. You know, there's a ton of them out there that are great, especially the more localized ones. I feel like uh, you're going to have a bigger impact. And so I think that's a, that's a good idea for our listeners to start getting into that, you know, and it helps if you're a veteran yourself, veteran owned is huge. If you're not uh, taking advantage of that title, then you need to right away. 
If so you don't want to hire one veteran, right? Just give it a give it a beta test. You know what I mean? See what happens. You're not gonna need it. You better load them <laughs> up if you can. All right. So, you know, one of the things we talked about was the book in the pen on the last episode, which is a great short story that you put together. Yeah. How is your writing going? Has that suffered from the full time position, or are you still writing? Have you been putting it out there? Because we talked about you know you you uh, publishing those and then putting together a website. So how has that, that been going? No, it has suffered, man. It's just so much going on. That's like the first mm-hmm. thing. To, I mean, my brain's always working. I'm always thinking of stuff, but like actually yeah. committing the pen to the paper, you know, I, I haven't um, done much, but I've, I've got, I've written a few stories, you know, I think you'll like why in the hat. Um, okay. And, and I've got sniper in the bush, I think is a really good one. Um, I've got quite a few like thought out. Some of them are already written, mm-hmm. but I haven't done much with it lately. Maybe this will be the inspiration I need to do some more writing. Hell yeah, man. It's so easy to to create a, a blog, you know what I mean? And 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 start putting them on the blog and doing a once a week story or once a month, even a once a month story, you know? Well, you know, and what then, I thought about, and- Doug, was, sorry to interrupt, was like, Oh, if you actually cut out the book and the pen of that podcast, you know, it, mm-hmm. I think it was like maybe seven minutes or something. Yeah. Very short. And I was like, what if you just did these like 10 minute podcasts that are just like wisdom bombs, you know, it's like mm-hmm. book and the pen. You can just like tell the story, the lesson learned, you know, and you just do them in like little five, seven, 10 minute knowledge bombs. Cause with the yeah. attention span of the world today, people don't have you know <laughs> yeah. the time to, listen to an hour long podcast. Right. But they may jam a 10 minute podcast on their way to work or something. So I thought, I thought about going that route. I thought about reaching out to you for help and being like, what if we just do these mini little podcasts, you know, and just attach yeah. the story, the written text, you know, on the website. So there's like, you can yeah. read it, you can listen to it. You know, they're short, easy. They, they hit home, good little lessons. It would be so easy for you to do. And then, you know, where it would hit really well is uh TikTok you know, or YouTube shorts. Yeah. Like that well, that's would... why I thought of that, dude. It's cause like, you know, I don't, even my own self, when I scroll through social media, I'm just like, I don't even on YouTube. If I want to look up how to cook something, I go to the shorts now. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just need the time, the temperature and the basic process. Like I don't need right. the whole 10 minute, uh, you know, I just want. And so I was like, how do you capitalize on that? Maybe, maybe some short snippet stories would be good. Yeah, all you know, I don't really do recipes, but all my inspiration comes from TikTok. My wife always laughs at me. She's like, "All your TikTok is is food and meat." You know what I mean? <laughs> meat. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's the greatest. Like, all I do is yeah, get those, hungry all day. <laughs> those brisket pics are awesome, man. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so yeah, I would I would agree with that. Like, if you put together a podcast, you know, and all you did was like one short story a week. <laughs> Even if you did some reruns and stuff like that, you know, a part one, part two, part three, that type of stuff. I mean, I feel like it would just crush. But I am very curious for our listeners about the sniper in the bush. That sounds like a cool shit story. Can you tell us that real quick? Yeah, actually, I can. And it comes from a very hard lesson, man. So when I was a fairly new chief on the West Coast, you know, I went into the chief's mess and I just always had something to say about everything, every topic. It didn't matter what it was. You know, I just felt like I needed to give my two cents and, and I'm persuasive. Right. And, and I, I swayed a lot of conversations, but looking back, the majority of those topics and conversations I injected myself into were like irrelevant to me. Right. It didn't involve me, my family, the people that work for me. I was just giving my opinion about, the other guys and the other troop down the hall or whatever. Right. And so over time, my words lost their impact. And then a few years later, I'm, I'm there fighting for the big award, the sailor of the year award for one of my people. And I lost. And I realized I had a good master chief. Who's a good mentor of mine. He told me, cause he's, he's the guy that never talks in meetings rarely, but when he does speak, you know, everybody listens. And he told me, he's like, you talk because you feel like you need to speak. And I talk when I, when there's something to say, you know, and that really hit home to me because it was like, man, I kind of talked myself out of, you know, 
what I came back and realized is that I won when it didn't matter. And I lost when it did. I was like, I was like a machine gunner instead of a sniper. I'm out there. If if you've ever fired a 50 cal, Doug, I can put the target out there wherever, give you a hundred round can and you might hit it three times. Right. Cause that gun's just so violent and it's moving around. And so it's like, I kind of looked at the ammo as like my words, right? If you're just going to spew your words out, you know, some of them will stick. Most of them are just going to go into thin air. And then when the time comes for you to really need to make that shot, you're out of rounds, right? You shot them all. And, and then I kind of looked at my, the master chief, who was my good mentor and good friend. He was more like a sniper. He took that same hundred rounds that Doug and Rob shot off into the universe. And he, and he de-linked them and he put them in a magazine and he covered himself up in a bush and he laid and he waited for the right target, the right conditions at his time, his choosing. And every time he fired that rifle, he hit bullseye. Right. So his hundred rounds counted. And so that's when I came up with the sniper in the bush. It's like, if you're a young, motivated mid manager, leader, supervisor, you know, you come in with a lot of passion, a lot of words, a lot of wanting to do good. And you can do that, but like for me, you know, you'll sway conversations and you'll win and you'll do great things, but you're going to win a lot of battles that don't matter. And then one day you may lose when it does. And so what I did was I, I took that and I came up with a three question internal dialogue that I still use today. And I asked myself, does this affect me? Does this affect my family? And does this affect the people that work for me? And if the answer is no, then I'll just be quiet. Right. And just save. And, you know, that was a hard life lesson for me to learn. Um, But I'm glad that I did. And so that's the sniper in the bush. And I actually have that written out. I just have to find it. Beautiful, man. I love the story and it just makes a ton of sense. And so, so many of our young people need to learn this, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of hypocritical coming from me because all I do is run my mouth on this podcast every day, three, three days a week, you know, and, I'm part of so many masterminds and so many groups and stuff. And, you know, even being my age and, and understanding the concept that you just went through so well now, you know, being a little older, you, this little fire comes up in you, you know, and you just got to run your mouth mm-hmm. sometimes, but you're, you're hundred percent, right. Make sure when you do that, it's for the right reasons and it affects you, your family and your team. I love if you look so at much. like the master, if you look at the master chief, I looked at like a lot of what he does and you know, what he's doing is he's picking the time, the place, the venue, the topic, the conditions. He's making sure all of those things are, are good so that when he opens his mouth, he's going to win. Right. It may be the right time and place, but it might be the wrong venue. Right. Or the crowd just may not be feeling it. So he decides, Hey, I'll shut up and wait for the next opportunity. Just like a sniper would do. Right just lays and he's patient and he waits for everything to be right. And so I'm trying to be more like that as a parent, as a husband, as a coworker. Um, and then, but I'm here rambling on your show about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm machine gunner word talking how I want to be more like a sniper, but you get the point. (laughs) Yeah, no, most definitely. And that that's what this show is for. This is the right time, the place, the venue, all those things. 100%. So okay. what your, your three question dialogue, your, your, your internal dialogue is your dialogue to decide. Right. But mm-hmm. for me, it was those three things, you know, if it didn't meet that criteria, then I wouldn't offer my opinion unless I was asked for it. And so, you know, I think it would work for most people though. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us. Yeah. So what is, what is next? What's next for you? What's next for you and your family? I'm glad, I'm glad you asked that man, because I actually want to hit up my manager. We got cut short on our one-on-one last week. And one of the things I wanted to talk to him about that we got cut short on is, you know, everybody did their performance reviews and it's like, what's next, you know? Mm-hmm. And one, one thing I saw really bad in the military is you never do something long enough to truly master it. Right. Like I became mm-hmm. awesome at shooting a 50 cal. And right when I was like ready to, be the most dominating 50 cal gunner slayer ever they're like hey you got promoted now you're the boat driver right so then i spent a few years learning how to drive a boat it's all new 
but after a couple of years, I'm pretty good at it. Right. Like I'm a good boat driver. Now I can drive at night on night vision during the day and in inclement weather. And they're like, boom, you got promoted. Now you're going to lead a debt. Right. And so you never really get to do something long enough to just be a true Messiah at it. Right. Like the mm -hmm. Oracle and it may be a little selfish, but like, I don't, I don't want to do anything more right now than just be a really, really good BDR. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, I just want to get better at my call script. I want to get better at the process, you know, incorporate LinkedIn, email, whatever, become a student mm -hmm. of the game and just crush it. And I don't have a lot of aspirations for leadership and management. Like I did that for 17 years, dude. Like yeah. I'm happy just coming back down as I'm essentially a 40 year old entry level new guy. Right. Mm -hmm. But I've got 22 years of experience at my back. Right. Yeah. And so it's really helping me out. And, you know, I understand if I was in my 20s, I'd want to move to account executive and sales yeah. engineer and like all this stuff. But like, I don't care about all that, dude. Like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, like when I when I left high school, football season was over, you know, that last game of your senior year. It's like there's a huge void. You know, yep. you've been, I've been playing sports my whole life and it's just gone like overnight. It's like, yeah, you're, you're no longer a football player. There's no off season. And then I went into the Navy and, and Naval Special Warfare and I found that next locker room bravado. Right. Yeah. And, and that kept me going for a while, but now my new locker room is not a bunch of alpha males beating their chest. It's just being at home, you know, taking the kids to school, yeah. doing Christmas stuff. And so this job helps enable me to be better at that. Right. So I, mm -hmm. I just, I really enjoy the job. I like the people I work with. I like what I do. And I just want to spend some time getting good at it and mastering it. And I'm not, I don't want to climb the leadership chain. And, yeah. you know, what do you think about that? Like, do you, do you see talented people getting swept into higher positions, you know, because they're good? Yeah. Uh, all the time, you know, especially, and, and it's on both sides, you know, it's the salesperson wanting to move up, you know, as mm -hmm. soon as they hit the qualification or hit the mark, them wanting to move up and grow in the company, but it almost creates this momentum to where if they slow down to like even normal amounts of time in that position to where they feel like they're being underutilized, they're not appreciated, that they're not mm -hmm. moving up fast enough, they're not growing, you know, we've created so much of this uh, growth culture or this uh, ambition and success and, you know, entrepreneurship culture that it's like, Oh, anything else is not good enough, you know? And yeah. what it does is it creates this, uh, you know, and, and we're getting out of the hustle culture now, but it does, it creates this culture where it's, it's not uh, conducive for our family. You know, yeah, and and I relate so much to what you said because it it is my my dining room table, my house is now my locker room, and, <laughs> right? And it it is, and it, and and that's we, the Doug the jungle, man. <laughs> yeah, the conversations we have are about life and what the kids are dealing with and what my wife is dealing with and her, and we're all coming together sharing our war stories for the day, you know. Yeah, and we get to vent, we get to learn from each other. We get mm -hmm. to um, create a camaraderie. I mean, we're, we're the Mitchells, you know? Yeah. And so it's that's like, awesome. that's our team now, you know? Yeah. And so when we go out the next day, you know, we're only ready for that day because of the conversations we've had at the dinner table the day before, you know? And um, I, I, I relate so much to that. And so now being a full-time consultant, instead of a leader of, you know, 50 to a hundred salespeople, um, I can control, I can control that, you know, now, if I want to go mm -hmm. be partner in five or six other companies and, and be on the board and act as their CSO, they're going to have a lot of control of me and my time, right? Because I'm going to have equity in the company. I'm going to have all these interests and everything. And so I can do that to a certain degree, but if I still want to maintain my locker room at home, then I'm going to need, I, I'm going to need to be less ambitious with how much money I make or how many positions I hold or how high in the, in the, the different companies, these positions are, I'm going to have to be very calculated with my, my work essentially. I, I a hundred percent agree with you, man. Like 
you know, in the honor foundation, they, they prepare you to go wherever you want. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people go into those cause we are, we're, we're perfectly like account executive, senior yep. management director. You could throw us right in with a few months of training and we, and we'd crush it. Right. But mm-hmm. a buddy of mine, he went that route. He went that, you know, senior account executive director route. He, he's got a 150 K plus job, but you know what he also has Doug 150 K plus responsibilities, 150 K yeah. expectations. Right. And, like I don't have those things, right? I'm I'm an entry level new guy. It's just me, my laptop, and my cold calls. Like that's what I have yeah. to do. Now I don't I don't I have entry level pay, but I also have entry level responsibilities. I have entry level expectations, yeah. and that allows me to separate my work and my home life, right? Because at mm-hmm. five o'clock I can shut my laptop. I'm done till tomorrow. No one's called. The company's not going to live or die on the big deal that I'm, I'm not working on that stuff. Right. That's not my right. responsibility. Right. My job is to make cold calls during business hours, you know, to people on yeah. the phone. And so it really, it's really like, you got to ask yourself at the core, like, what do you want? Right. Like I didn't want another locker room. My, my locker room was going to be at home. Some guys they're younger. They may be getting out six, eight, 10 years. They may still have that drive and and everything. They want to go work FBI, DEA, Customs Border Protection. It's it's about yeah. what you want, right? They may not have kids or a wife or anything. You know, they want to go run a gun. Do it, right? So yeah. you've got to kind of ask yourself, like, what do you want? And then build your. That's what I would tell veterans is like decide what you want first, and then build your life around that, right? Like, if your locker room is to be home and like everything you just described then you mm-hmm. probably don't want to take a $200,000 job being the COO of a company. You're just trading one yeah. drug for the other. You just took off your uniform in special operations and now you're the big man at a company, right? You know? Yeah. So I think you got to ask yourself like, what's your next locker room or what is your locker room? You know? Yeah. I got, you know, five years left with my daughter and then, you know, it goes up a couple of years for every kid after that, you know? But at the end of the day, maybe nine years total with my kids where they're home and I get to enjoy being a parent, yeah. you know, and they actually like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got like, you know, my, my, my daughter's on that precipice right now, you know, but now I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. We have a great relationship, but um, yeah, the boys are definitely going to be, you know, ready to throw down with me in the backyard and I'm, I'm ready when it happens. Let's do this. You know, <laughs> maybe not yeah. when they're in their thirties, but now I am most definitely ready. But anyways, brother, no, I love the conversation that we have, have had today. And uh, the last time that we talked and you were on the podcast, I asked you about legacy and your mm-hmm. response was somebody who helped people mm-hmm. and that the legacy was those people that you helped. And when they mentioned you or said your name, you know, that was the legacy. Yep. And so if I were to ask that question again today, you know, and this is, I think, uh, uh, almost a year later, is it still the the same answer or has that changed a little bit? hundred percent, man. Hasn't changed. You know, I, I came in this uh, group of people that I'm with. There's probably eight or 10 of us. Um, most of them are like between 21 and 26 ish years old. Right. Mm-hmm. And I figured this job out really quickly because of my background experience. And the first thing Mm -hmm. I did was double back and help. It's like when you play football, right. And the backs, you run the mile and the backs and Mm -hmm. receivers, they always finish first. But the first thing the team players do, the good ones is they, they turn around and go back and run with the linemen. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of the same thing. Like I came in, I figured the job out. And the first thing I did was turn around and, and go help them out. Right. And I'm like, here, let me show you because we're all just as new to it, right? We're all trying to make sense of what all this stuff is. And so when somebody just takes a moment to be like, hey, I had that same issue. Here's, I click this, then this, then this. And they're like, so it, it's been recognized that, you know, we're just good team players. You know, we want everybody. I don't have, like, I'm not trying to cutthroat anybody. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. it genuinely makes me happy when I see other people succeed, you know, like, to, to be able to help Doug figure out this process and, and role play with you and then get you on the phones and, and hear that you just booked your first meeting, you know, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's awesome. Right. Like I'm super yeah. happy. There's no, there, I'm not jealous of you. I don't want to like, 
undercut you at all. I'm just genuinely happy that you did good. And so, yeah, still living it, man. I think when we allow it, that's a driving force in, in our humanity. I think everybody has that in them, but sometimes mm-hmm. we let the outside world dictate, you know, our motivations and we lose, lose sight of that. But when you're doing that, when you're helping others, when you're lifting other people up, I mean, besides, you know, maybe, uh, in prayer or in your faith or with your family, it, it's hard to be more fulfilled than helping others. And, and let's be honest, that's what you're doing with your family. You're leading your family and you're lifting them up, you know? So it's the same yeah. concept, just apply it at work, which gives you more fulfillment, which can take the most mundane, unsexy positions and make them incredibly fulfilling, which is what you've done with yours. Yeah. I actually had one, one girl I was chatting with uh, on the team. She was getting kind of frustrated. And so I told her the same thing. Like, what are some of the good things that you like about the job? You know, and one of the things that she said is, um, well, she doesn't spend a lot of money on makeup anymore because she didn't have to go to work. Right? <laughs> okay. Okay. Like I don't have that problem because I'm a dude, but if you actually, if you look at it, like you don't spend money on gas, you don't have to park, sit in traffic, pack a lunch, makeup, spend time getting ready. There's a lot of things that you can focus on that are, that this job is instead of focusing on what the job isn't. Right. And, right. And if you do that, I think you can find some happiness and, yeah, and add ten grand to your salary because you're not spending that money now. <laughs> right. So if you're just apples to apples comparing numbers, but if you start yeah. actually digging in and pulling out all those, you know, additional costs and stuff, you know, a remote job can really start to climb climb you up. And and just holistically, you know, it's it's easier to have a work life balance when you can yep. just shut your shut your phone off or close your laptop and you're done. Right. You're like I'm one hundred percent. It's over. I don't have to shut my laptop, walk to my car, drive home, sit in traffic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I just close it up. I'm good to go. What's up? <laughs> Let's watch Absolutely. Wednesday. Right. I heard you talking about Wednesday. Yeah. Good show, yeah. man. Good show. Yeah. So this is the second time you've been on the show and man, I think it's even better than the first. <laughs> like there were so many nuggets, so many stories, so many wisdom drops that you, mm-hmm. you gave for our listeners. And I just want to thank you for coming on the show and, and, uh, giving us that value. No, thank you, Doug. I appreciate it, man. Anytime, dude. Keep extending the invite. Yes, sir. All right. Let's get building. All right, man. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Building Gray Sales Teams. We sure do appreciate it. As always, be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. Don't forget to join our Facebook group, Building Great Sales Teams, so you can get daily tips on how to get your sales team built brick by brick. We'll see you there.